Welcome back to Daf HaShavua. This week's Daf is Mesech Siyavamos Daf Samech Hey Daf 65. And uh, we finish, we conclude the parak that we've been spending a lot of time on, the parak Haba Al Yevimto, that uh, over the course of the last few months, we've uh, really had the opportunity to delve into the, uh, this parak in Yevamos, which really has uh, all sorts of incredible conversations that uh, really play out practically uh, in terms of so much of uh, Hilchos Yibum. So the Gemara begins on Daf with the following discussion. The Gemara presents a scenario of a woman who was married twice who did not have any children. So the Gemara presents that she may only marry uh, a third time to a man who already has children. And the Gemara explains that this is because the first two marriages created a chazaka that she can't have children. So since she didn't have children with her first two husbands, so she didn't, uh, it's clear that there's some problem, there's some physical problem with her in which she's unable to have kids. And therefore, says the Gemara, she's going to have to go ahead and she's going to marry somebody who already has children. This perhaps is with the understanding that part of Pruravu and part of... Um uh, this this concept of reproducing is raising children. It's not simply having children, but raising children goes into this uh, this idea of pru or vus. The Gemara uh, presents that she needs to get married to somebody who already has children. So the Gemara then goes on to discuss her ksuba having been paid or not by the first two husbands, and what role that's going to play in uh, in uh, the, whether or not the initial two marriages were going to be severed halachically, uh, and uh, does the husband owe her uh, money as a result of the fact that she's unable to have children um, and uh, that's what the Gemara then goes on to discuss. The Gemara then picks up with several other uh, halachos that um, that, uh, that are presented over here and the Gemara says the following, that in a case of a couple who didn't have any children and are getting divorced and they begin to argue about the ksuba. So the husband claims that she uh, has a, some sort of physical problem that nobody know, knows about while she claims that he is the one who has the problem that nobody knows about. So what would we do in such a scenario? In such a scenario that we have over here, so we have a a, a, a situation in which she claims that the problem is with him. He claims that the problem is with her. And what are we going to uh, what are we going to do in this case? So Rabbi Ami says that she is believed uh, in these private matters because she can sense the problem while he he he's unable to sense the problem, and therefore he must pay the ksuba. So according to Rabbi Ami, the one who is going to be chayev in the uh, is going to be chayev in paying the ksuba is going to be uh, him. He's going to have to pay her the ksuba because we assume that she is telling the truth, that the wife is telling the truth, that he's the one with the physical uh, the physical deficiency over here, and he's the reason that they weren't able uh, they weren't able to have children. So the Gemara goes on to ask about him claiming that he's going to go ahead and marry another woman, and he's going to prove it not to be his problem. He's going to go and get married to his second wife, and he's going to show that he's really able to have children, and really the problem lies with his wife. So Rabbi Ami says that he still needs to pay her ksuba, regardless of what comes out, because a person can't marry a second wife without the first wife's consent. And obviously over here, the first wife wouldn't give consent over here because she wants to receive her money. And if he wants to go ahead and marry another wife, he must divorce his first wife, pay for her ksuba, and then go ahead and uh, do whatever it is that he wants to do. So if he wants to prove this scientifically, that he is the one that is, uh, that is, uh, that, 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 that can go ahead and that can have children, that he's the fertile one in this relationship. So he has to pay the ksuba, do a full divorce, completely sever the initial marriage, and then he would be able to go ahead and he would be able to, uh, he would be able to uh, prove whatever it is that he wants to prove, but he's not going to receive the money because 
because he's already paid off this this uh, this ksuba. That's according to Rabbi Ami. So Rava comes along and disagrees and says that a person can go ahead and a person can marry numerous wives without the first wife's consent as long as he can provide for all of their needs. So according to Rava, so the initial marriage doesn't necessarily have to be severed. So according to Rava, if he were to go ahead and if he were to prove that the problem lied with her, so he wouldn't have to pay her ksuba. And according to Rabbi Ami, he would have to pay her ksuba. So the Gemara continues to discuss a case where a woman uh, unfortunately had three miscarriages, and we describe her as what's being huchsika linifalim. So she, uh, we assume that should she get pregnant again, so she's unfortunately going to uh, she's unfortunately going to uh, to uh, to miscarry. So this is a uh, a concept of chazaka that the that the Shulchan Aruch describes in uh, in Evan Ha'ezer Simon Yud test and. Um, when it comes to the chazaka of miscarrying, so the Gemara describes the fact that he must divorce her. And we conclude that regardless of what the husband says, we believe her because she would never want to have a chazaka of being a miscarrying wife. What we have over here is this presentation of the fact that when it comes to childbirth and when it comes to child uh, rearing and child raising, so we really give a tremendous amount of credibility to what the uh, wife in the relationship describes about her uh, ability to have children, to bear children, to raise children, and uh, what the Gemara presents over here is that we give a tremendous amount to the, to, to the wife, because God forbid we wouldn't want her to describe herself as what's called she, uh, she would never want to be that. She would never want to describe herself as somebody who constantly has miscarriages. So should she say that, she would, uh, she would then, uh, she would be believed. So that is where uh, the Gemara, until the Mishnah, concludes we then have the following Mishnah in which the Mishnah comes along to discuss and describe the mitzvah of pru or vu. Uh, and this is a uh, often quoted Mishnah with regards to uh, a man's obligation, a woman's obligation uh, in having children. And who is the main chiyavan? Is the main chiyavan the man? Or is the main chiyuv on the, uh, or is the main chiyuv on the woman? So the Mishnah says that a man is obligated in the midst of Puravu, and a woman is not obligated. And comes along Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says that they are equally obligated. So the Gemara then quotes a machlokas amuraim between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shubin Levi, uh, about who's chayiv in Puravu. Rabbi Yochanan and Broka is the one who, uh, were trying to understand, uh, his shita, and we ultimately paskin that the man is, uh, is chayiv and not the woman. So the question then becomes, what's the nafkamina. Why does it matter who is actually chayev at the end of the day for the mitzvah of pru or vu? So there are two nafkaminas that are generally described, two practical differences between uh, whether or not the man is obligated and whether or not the woman is obligated in the mitzvah of pru or vu. The first one is what we refer to as a saris, somebody who actively um, makes themselves infertile, somebody that uh, castrates oneself uh, or uh, or uh, removes the reproductive organs on one's body. So if it's a mitzvah specifically on the man, the isser would be uh, a much more stringent isser uh, for a man to remove his reproductive organs. And if the isser is an isser on the woman, so then it would be a much more stringent isser on the woman to re, uh, to remove those reproductive organs. The second nafkamina comes along with regards to an isser of hashchasa zera levatala. So let's say uh, uh, there's a uh, an unfortunate um, um, uh, emission that a wife or a husband uh, were to have. So if the mitzvah is specifically on the woman, so she would uh, have a real 
bona fide iser of hashchasa zera levatala. And if the iser is, uh, sorry, if the mitzvah is specifically on the man, so uh, then he would have the real iser of hashchasa zera levatala. And uh, where and how this plays out uh, is certainly practical in terms of the uh, in terms of the mitzvah of pruvu. We obviously paskin that the uh, that the man is the one who has this obligation uh, of pruvu, and uh, and uh, the husband is the one who's really obligated in this mitzvah. So the question then becomes why? What's the reason that the man is the one who's specifically uh, commanded in the midst of Peruvu? So there are many discussions and many conversations about why it is that the man is the one specifically obligated in Peruvu. But I want to focus on a comment that the Meshachachma makes in Parshas Noach, where the Meshachachma describes the following idea. And the Meshachachma says that when it comes to mitzvah, so we have a concept of what's called that the word that the, the, the way of Torah is supposed to be ni'imus, a way of pleasantry, a way of uh, it's just a way of, uh, of, uh, of beauty, it's a way of painlessness it's a way in which when we try to fulfill the mitzvahs in the Torah so we try to go ahead and uh, be mekayim, this concept of says the Meshachachma that Baruch would never command a woman to go through the pain, to go through the agony of childbirth. Kaddish Baruch would never command us to be involved in such difficult, such challenging, such painful mitzvahs. So for a man, a man doesn't have the same level of pain when it comes to childbirth that the woman does. And therefore, as a result, says the Meshachachma, the man is going to be the one who's going to be obligated in the mitzvah of uh, in the mitzvah of Pruervu, uh, a beautiful comment that the Meshachachma makes. But there is a problem over here because we know that we have a mitzvah of brismila. So what about the mitzvah of brismila? We know that the mitzvah of brismila is certainly something that's painful. It's certainly something that uh, that causes uh, that causes tremendous uh, agony to the baby when the baby gets a brismila. So there are several suggestions offered as to why when it comes to uh, when it comes to a brismila, the uh, we don't apply the same concept. One of which is that. This baby is not yet fully Jewish, and the process of getting a bris milah then and only then brings them into the world of Torah being derecha darchinoam. So the child is not uh, fully uh, aware of the uh, and, and and fully obligated in mitzvos at this point in time in the child's life, and therefore we're not going to uh, apply this concept. The second suggestion that's offered by some is the following suggestion. That really, we don't even know how much pain a baby feels, really, when we put uh, whatever we put on a baby, some sort of anesthetic or some sort of... So we don't really know how much pain the baby feels. It's very rare that we could have a woman go through childbirth and feel absolutely no pain, if ever, uh, if at all. So says the uh, so says the Meshachachma, so this concept of really goes uh, throughout uh, halacha, and uh, specifically over here in this case, the Gemara then says that we have a mitzvah of hocheach tochiach es amisecha, that we have a mitzvah of tochacha, that we have to go ahead and we have to rebuke uh, other people when it comes to um, when it comes to their shmiras mitzvah, when it comes to their mitzvah uh, observance. We know that this is obviously a very challenging mitzvah. And the Gemara says that it's a mitzvah to give tochacha to somebody who will listen. And uh, just like it's a mitzvah to give tochacha to somebody that will listen, it's also a mitzvah not to give tochacha to somebody who won't listen. There's actually an amazing uh, amazing idea that's brought down by Rav Aaron Soloveitchik in his Sefer Logic of the Heart, Logic of the Mind, where Soloveitchik describes the fact that the root of tochacha comes from the Hebrew word lehochiach. The word lehochiach means to prove something, to 
go ahead and to uh, and to uh, to reveal something. And says of Aaron Soloveitchik that the concept of tochacha is a concept in which we're trying to prove to somebody who the real them is. When we see somebody making a mistake, when we see somebody erring, when we see somebody uh, going off the uh, the path of Torah and mitzvos, so we do our best to prove to them who the real you is, who the real person is that's, uh, that's uh, you know, that's capable of doing great things. So the word tochacha really has the same root as trying to prove to somebody just how great that person could be. So if the goal of tochacha is a goal of, you know, bringing somebody back up, if it's a goal of making somebody better, if it's a goal of bringing a person back and inspiring person to do more uh, mitzvot and to be involved more in the world of Torah, then we should go ahead and we should give tochacha. But if the goal of tochacha sometimes, and uh, unfortunately this could be, if the goal of tochacha is selfish to make us feel better when we give somebody else rebuke, when we give somebody else uh, a little bit of musr, so says Aaron Salavechik, that uh, that would be inappropriate and that is not within the mitzvah, the realm of the mitzvah of Ochiach so the Gemara then continues and the Gemara says that a person can lie. I'm sorry, not to lie, but a person can be mishana, can change around, can bend around the truth for Dark Shalom. And uh, there are those that even come along and there are those that even say that it's a mitzvah to be mishana and Shalom. It's a mitzvah to go ahead. That when we find ourselves in a situation where there's going to be uh, some sort of Shalom in question. We want to uh, bring a little bit of peace, whether it's uh, amongst a few friends or a husband and a wife or uh, whoever it is in a community. So we're allowed to be, and some say it's even a mitzvah to be Mishana Mipne Darke Shalom. And the Gemara concludes over here with, uh, again, these great conversations about Pruravu, these great conversations about Ocheach Tochiach Esamisecha, Mishana Mipne Darke Shalom, uh, all incredible uh, discussions as we close out Perak Habal Yevimto, and uh, we get ready to go to our next Perak of Meseches Yevamos as we gear up for Daf Samach Vav coming next week. Have a great evening.